Okay, um, welcome to another edition of the Culture Class Podcast, the podcast where we get to interact with people from different backgrounds and get to learn about other cultures. Today, I have an interesting personality. She's a musician, she's an artist, uh, all the way from Nigeria. I think this is actually my very first Nigerian interview. I have to go back and check. Like, I've interviewed a bunch of Nigerians before, but they are usually all over the place. But I think it's my first interview with someone in Nigeria and so far so good the Wi-Fi hasn't disgraced us so that's pretty good <laughs> so welcome to the podcast Bella Alubo how's it going it's going great I'm okay how have you been I've been good I've been good how's the situation over there in are you in Lagos you're in Lagos right mm-hmm. I'm in Lagos yeah how's how's the situation in Lagos with you know I know they the pandemic was a scare at some point last year, but I, I would yes, imagine like everything has normalized and everything is cool right now. Well, yeah, everything is cool mostly except the curfews. You have to be indoors by midnight. Oh, damn. Is this in yeah. Nigeria or just Lagos? I think it's supposed to be in Nigeria, but Lagos is really serious about it. I, but it's supposed to be all over the country. Announced like last week or something, but Lagos has been like since months. Interesting. So are they picking people off the street or what's, what's, what are they doing? Well, it's Nigeria, so you can find a way around it. But right. like, you wouldn't want the inco- inconvenience normally. That makes sense. That makes sense. And is that good or bad for you as an artist? Kind of like, you know, not living the night out life. Or do you find that, mm-hmm. you know, that's good for you? You get some rest or it doesn't really matter? Well, I feel like it's good and bad because you still find a way around nightlife. Like I said, it's Nigeria. But then I think it just helps you like remember oh, you have to go home. You have to go home. So it helps me plan better and not just be aimlessly out. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, I have three yeah. teenage sisters. Oh, they are in their early 20s now. So I'll, I'll definitely share this with my dad, even though they don't live in Lagos. Wow. <laughs> I'll, I'll cra- crap their so parole a little you. bit. I'll rain on yeah. their parole a little bit. But it's all good. Yeah, thank yeah. you for, for joining me. Bella is someone that I've been communicating with. Um, when I say communicating, we have been bugging her in the comment section for, for a while now. Because I really enjoy like her artistry and, you know, obviously, like mm-hmm. I call her Bella. Genevieve, you know, after Genevieve, I gave her that nickname a, a few That's years nice. ago, and I, I've always been bugging her. Where's the next project? Where's the next project? So when she finally dropped the project, she was like, "The project is out, though. I beg, stop." Yeah. Stop. I'm funny, I think you used to ask albums, like, I think you used to ask, like, use that word album, right. so, yeah. Right, right, yeah. We'll, de- we'll definitely get into all that, but let's, let's, yeah. let's peel back the layers a little bit, right, so, before there was Bella, like, way back in the early 90s, there was Mabel, right, mm-hmm. so, this mm-hmm. little girl that grew up in Joss, so, talk to me about that yeah. experience. I grew up in Abuja, and, you know, I had gone to Joss once or, once or twice, I had, you know, friends in Joss, and I always looked at it as this very cool city you know Oyeka was a plateau yeah. girl like all these artists are, are <laughs> yeah. just, you know all these old record labels polygram he has like a rich musical history freestyles at the terminal and all that stuff like what was mm. it like for you like Mabel Alubo like growing up were you sheltered uh, do you get to experience the city what are some of your fondest and earliest memories um I loved growing up in Jaws it's a very quiet city my family is very normal I have one of those like mom dad 
had. But in an extended you have a normal way, Nigerian have... family, I find that hard it's to very, believe. Very, very normal. <laughs> <laughs> family. Good, like, normal Nigerian family. My family is like so normal. Nice. And it was slightly extended. I had lots of cousins and aunties, uncles living in and out of my house at some point, uni or something. So I think music, older people being around me definitely helped because I remember being super young and listening to like Eminem, DMX. This like before I was seven and like so many people, so many, like there's a lot of 90s music on Marion B2K, Westlife, like it's endless. It's endless. Yeah. And I think it definitely helped me be very musically exposed. My dad also had a lot of vinyls, but I don't have any memories of him playing them. Because when I was, like, much older, his vinyl player was, like, it, it went bad. But he always said, oh, when you were younger, we used to play them all the time and stuff. But I don't remember. My siblings are older than I am, remember. And I've always thought I didn't have any... um music background or history but like now that I've been thinking about it and thinking of how many genres I've been exposed to I think a lot of it is from my childhood right. without right. realizing it was kind of subconscious like I wasn't like learning music or anything like that yeah right I and mean... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. So then when I was a teenager, my brother, he used to be friends with Ice Prince and my Jesse Jags, Grip Boys. I think they definitely, yeah, they definitely in some way helped me see it as a possibility, like to be a musician. Because before then, I was right. You got got to interact with the Chalk Boys as a a young kid? Oh, yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, they were just like my brother's cool friends who aspired to be musicians, but they were not like popular yet. They were still in jobs. There was a studio they used to record. I think I went there like once or twice, but not like for music. I just like popped by. And they'll come by the house sometimes for lunch. And my mom just knew them as all my brother's musician friends. And they'll have gigs. And my mom had this Sienna bus, like a minivan. (laughs) And my brother would drive them. He wasn't an artist, but like he was just like one of those guys who rolls yeah, with access. An official and... manager, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was what growing up and just was like pretty much. That's interesting. Yeah. I remember like um, Jesse Jags and Ice Prince in like what, 2006 or something or seven. Yeah. The whole WAPI thing. Uh, like, I used to live in Abuja at the time and, you know, they'll come around for WAPI. I think they had like Righteous Era Productions or something. Like, Jesse Jags, like one of the maddest producers and Sazi, mm. RIP Sazi back in Abuja. So, their musical influence spanned the whole north like people knew them in Kaduna, Abuja like before they came down made that conscious effort to to come down to Lagos and obviously work out for them but let let me touch on something like it's funny how a lot of things influence us like subconsciously like that we don't Mm. even realize like now that I think about it like there used to be an uncle of mine who was like an Arsenal fan back in the day and he used to Mm. get all these publications of like magazines back then of like the official Arsenal magazines all the way from London that's eventually Mm. like why I'm an Arsenal fan and why I could like you know relate to people like Perez and Birchcamp like out of all those people you were listening to when you were growing up like the the dmx's and the eminems and the west lives and, and the chalk cities and, and all that stuff like can you pinpoint any particular lyric or song or video that just captured you in the moment like i remember the first time i listened to p squares senorita like i can vividly remember how my world changed when i like listened to that particular track like can you um speak to a certain track or a certain artist or video of 
a concert, a particular moment that just kind of like was the straw that broke the camel's back that you could say that, oh, wow, this man, I got to do this, that kind of thing? Well, I didn't think when I was a kid that I was going to do music till when I was much older. But thinking about music, like music that just stood out to me and just made me just wonder what is this was Eminem's um, Stan. I think that album had this intro where he was um, basically swearing a lot. He was swearing a lot, saying a lot of crazy things. He was right. talking about his mom. He was saying like crazy stories, using words that, I don't know, it was just like, I remember the confused feeling of what is this you get. But his voice was so animated and almost childlike that just holds you. I don't know, I just remember just listening to that album and trying to process everything and just like being aware of different emotions. And that was a project I listened to over and over and over. I feel like Eminem knows how to express emotion through music in a very, very captivating way. And his writing is so intense. Most definitely. Like Eminem knows how to paint that picture. But being yeah. influenced by that growing up in J-Town of all, all places, being close to the Chuck Boys, are you like the average Nigerian artist always starts out as a rapper, right? Whether that's Burn Boy or, <laughs> or anything like Was that yeah. the same for you? Were you part of all those battles yeah. or you just went straight to singing? No, I was a rapper. Like, there we when, go. I, <laughs> when I first started thinking about music, I had like, I never thought about melodies. It was just rap. Like, um, there was a time actually, though, before rap ever started, when I used to write, like, I just used to write in a notebook. Like write they stories were, or songs or both? At first it was stories, but this was when I was like seven or something like that. That once upon a time, there was a girl named Kelly. I don't know why Kelly was like a consistent, <laughs> consistent right. name. And then there was now poetry. My sister used to write poems. And one day I saw her poetry book and then I'm like, oh, what's this? And then I just started messing with that. And I was doing literature. So like, I don't know, I found it interesting. Then I listened to Lil Wayne when I was like 14. Mm. Which Lil Wayne? Carter 2, Carter 3? Carter 3. Hey, Lil Wayne. Yeah. That, was a good, that was a good introduction. Yeah, Lil Wayne was like at his top. He was popping, was really popping. And I remember thinking it was so cool. And shortly after, the whole Young Money crew was popping. Nikki was there. Nikki was one of the first rappers who I felt was like proper girly, but still rapping, rapping. Because even those who tried to be girly, they just had that tomboyish edge about them in a way. But right. Nikki was like so dull, like, and she used to call herself a Barbie. And she had like, I don't know, it helped me connect anyway. Nice. And yeah, I started rapping. I also found this rapper called Angel Hayes. Angel who, Hayes? Yeah, she's like fiery. If you listen to her, you would see the Eminem link. She even did a cover of Eminem's Cleaning Out My Closet, her own cover. Yeah, and she's like one or two years older than I am. I remember thinking, how is this girl rapping so good? Like, why can't I rap that good? Yeah. <laughs> Were you guys like in the um, group? No, Angel Hayes was is American. Oh, okay. I came across her on Tumblr. But yeah, then I ran into some rappers in Jaws who um the oldest one was also friends with my brother. But then there were younger ones too, it was like a whole crew called Wow, I, I don't remember the name of our group. It you was don't remember called... you don't want to say. What was your rapper? No, 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 what was your no, no, rapper no. named Bella? Like tell me was it Belly Bell? It was the... just... <laughs> 
It was just Bella. Sometimes I used to call myself Young Lioness. Young Lioness. Oh, that, that would have yeah. been a mouthful when trying to rhyme. <laughs> right. It was just Bella, though. Like, my actual artist name. Oh, yeah. So, okay. yeah, I was rapping for years. I can't remember your first I wasn't rhyme. serious, though. Um, I think it was something about... That had the word amigo, and how the hook was like, amigo, go, amigo, go, something like that. Not bad. Amigo <laughs> is, is the um, initials for all of my names. For so all maybe of then I thought my rap name was going to be Amigo. Ah, yeah. Wait, so you have five names? Yeah, including my surname. Oh, so what is it? What's your full name? Is long. Look, you, the A is for <laughs> the A is for Alubo, the M is for Mabel, the I is for Inyamu, is an Idoma name, the G is for Gemma, is my confirmation name, I'm Catholic, and the O is for Oyine, another Idoma name that is kind of like a pet. Oh, nice, nice. Like, yeah. you probably named that for a project or something like that. That's pretty <laughs> interesting history, and you share that Idoma lineage with, what, Two-Face and Six Foot Plus yeah. and all these other guys, so... Interesting. Okay, so so yeah. this this young girl called Mabel, who was uh, the young lioness, you know, <laughs> devouring everyone growing up. Um, eventually, like you got into like modeling and stuff, and you, yeah, uh, you so you you deemed it important to like participate in all these things. What, what was the reason for that being your first creative outlet, like modeling? Was it just an opportunity you mm -hmm. ran into? Um, did you just want to try something out? Like how how did that come about? Well, I remember being really skinny when I was younger and I had a growth spot that just made me like super tall. So I was like way taller than my age mates and I was super skinny. And people would sometimes say, oh, do you play basketball or gym model, all those generic things. But before then, too, my sister used to um, like make me pose, and we just had very crappy cameras then, like phone cameras. And I remember she'd just take pictures of me, and I'll post them on Facebook. I remember some very, very dead-looking pictures, but she used to make me pose and stuff like that. So I kind of got into that, and I also always enjoyed playing dress up. By the way, like I've always. I just want to like wear dresses and just like stare at myself in the mirror. So yeah, I don't know all of that. I and I met um some girls who used to do pageantry. One of them became Miss Plato the year before I ran for Miss Plato and Miss Tourism. So I don't know, I just thought it was going to be fun, I guess. And I, I don't know, I've just always I've always been shy, but I've strangely all always felt drawn to like the stage. Yeah, so it was just something to do, I guess. Nice. I mean, when when some people think about just something to do, they they, they go outside and, and and play hide and seek <laughs> or something, not go for more. Like you probably were like a a different breed of some kind. Now, you know what I love about you? Like, probably like the Nicki Minaj um, influence or some other things or your mother. Yeah. Like, right from the very first project, like Bella the EP or something. Like you were always mm -hmm. very particular about your look. Like maybe it was the whole playing dress up and all that was like some yeah. kind of unofficial training like yeah you know, change your name or started to use your full name like you're always particular about the aesthetic whether that's in pictures mm -hmm. in videos yeah everything was so cool but, yeah i had to like go back to kind of like listen to your older project but the very first project uh i was introduced to uh, like many other nigerians was radio and that was actually mm -hmm. your second radio was on your second bella 2.0 right it actually wasn't on any project oh radio wasn't on any project mm -mm. oh okay yeah you maybe you it just came out like as a single yeah right. oh, okay. yeah i had just moved to lagos just got signed. yeah it was like my first industry single nice yeah. 
Nice. And what was that? How did that happen? Because obviously there's there's some tumultuous history with Tiny Entertainment, like your former record label. But how did you even meet the guys at Tiny, like, and um, move to Lagos? Like, how deliberate was that um, whole scenario? Um, something about my music career is right now it's starting to get intentional, and right now I've chosen that this is what I'm doing. But like before in my life, it kind of just seemed like like life was pushing me in a direction in a very odd way so i used to um drop stuff on soundcloud like you know when i was experimenting with rap and all that i um i never went like viral or anything but i had like a tiny group of supporters because there weren't a lot of girls rapping right (laughs) yeah not a lot of girls rapping not a lot of artists like young artists even making music at that point so soundcloud was popping then it was new was fresh it was like yeah, so there was a um, artist, there was an artist manager and talent scout, she's called Osage. She had a company called The Zone Agency and one of her friends... Is it the same Osage that used to manage Kel and Whiskey or a different one? Yeah, that one. Okay. Yeah, so one of her friends who is a photographer is friends with my brother. Um, she's called Uche and I used to send broadcasts to her like about my music all the time when and broadcast is that was that like bbm or something um at this point i think it was even no this is this is about 2016 so it's not that long ago yeah i think there was already snapchat i think i even i think the broadcast was on Snapchat. like i just selected all my contacts and i sent a link and then she listened and then she's like this is actually pretty good and she thinks i have a shot at this and sometimes she says her best friend is a talent manager and talent scout and that she would um play my music for her i believe and then so um osagi followed me on twitter i already followed her because i knew she was like into all of that and i know like budding artists always used to tweet their music at her and stuff like that and i think i knew she managed whiskey at some point like i followed her and used to see her tweets and stuff like that so anyway she follows me she said she listened to my stuff on soundcloud she asked me if i have any more stuff coming and for like a period i used to send her stuff that i recorded then i would only go to the studio once in a blue moon so i might go on one day and try to knock out several tracks in a day oh you were a writer actually yeah (laughs) i remember i used to write like ahead of time like before the sessions which is so ironic because now i like write in the session but i think it's because like recording was such a luxury then like and i wouldn't know when i'm going to record Mm, so like a big girl now (laughs) <laughs> you don't do all that me. petty shit <laughs> um, thank God. right 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 Anyways, i kept sending her stuff like i always send and she'll give me feedback she'll be like just like general feedback and um i was about to put out an ep at this point this was bella the second one bella lucid dreaming bella 2.0 lucid dreaming this was towards the end of 2016 and i was also finishing my nysc i remember thinking what next what next am i going to get a job i studied microbiology um my internship was in a diagnostic lab and my nysc year i also worked in like an actual hospital lab like it was an army hospital and like i was busy the entire year like a proper work and i used to do like tests diagnostic tests and stuff like that. I remember thinking, am I just going to apply to some job at some lab? Because one thing about the lab, right, I enjoyed being like super detailed because you have to be careful, precise, 
you can't make errors, things like that. I somehow enjoyed that. It was kind of like a task where you have to like be super careful. But then it made me super paranoid. I remember how paranoid I used to be, especially because, you know, there's like germs around. And then um, my sister, she's a doctor. She says that I was a hypochondriac. That's basically somebody who thinks they have all diseases. <laughs> and it's possible because I remember I was mad paranoid. So I was thinking then, I, I don't know if I want to work in a lab and I'm finishing NYC. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? So Asagi messages me one day and she's like, there's a record label called Tiny Entertainment. They're trying to sign a female artist and that she's consulting for them. And she played my music for the CEO and he's interested in signing me. And then at this point, I'm not even doing music even half time before I say full time. You're in the lab. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the lab. I'm facing my work, you know, working days of the week, weekend, just like, yeah. But like, I don't know, I thought it was scary. Funny enough, for some reason, I had only just heard about Weiss shortly before she said that. I didn't, I don't know, maybe I was like... Oh, Tiny had signed Weiss already at the time. Yeah, and Weiss was even popular, but for some reason, like, I don't know why I didn't know his music. Maybe I wasn't like in touch with pop culture then or something. I don't know. But like, after she said, I checked him out, checked out the label. They're like, um, do you want to buy me a plane ticket to come to Lagos? I had only been to Lagos once as an adult at that point. So I just thought it was like insane, crazy. They were serious and it was like contract signing stuff. And like uh, the contract was supposed to be for three years. I felt like that would be, was it three years or two years? Maybe three. Yeah, it was supposed to be for three years, I believe. And I felt like that would be like a long time of my life. What if this is not what I want to do? I didn't even told my parents I was doing music, can you believe? And I had put out two EPs, but like I'd never said a word about about it. And I'm not sure that they ever heard anything about it. I don't know. But yeah. But same thing I did with my patentry anyways, until my dad found until out. Until I found out. No, but it <laughs> seemed like your parents were really cool people. If your brother could be driving artists around in Siena, like, you know, um, they were like okay with their kids would you say they were like okay with their kids you know trying stuff like it really doesn't matter or not really thinking about it now to other people it will seem like they are okay and open but i think it's just because my family has a strong like emotional bond they want to know what you're doing they actually want to like be there for you and stuff like that it's not a type of situation where they want to cut you off and they are like disappointed and they no longer love you it's just, yeah, they definitely just want you to be, like, they want to see you just do keep well. them informed, right? Yeah. That's actually impressive. Maybe it is a normal Nigerian family. Like, <laughs> most families don't send you. <laughs> but, so that's pretty interesting. So you flew down to Lagos. Um, what, so how long would you say between Osage reaching out to you and you finally signed? Like, how many weeks did that take? And obviously, like, you were new in Lagos, you were new to the industry. What were some of the things that you wish you would have done differently in going into that deal? Um, some of the things I wish I, I could have done differently is more like of a background check for the people I was going into business with and like, but the thing is that I actually didn't know anything about them. And I can't say I was too young. I was old enough to at least like do like Google. I don't know if Google could have helped. To be honest, that maybe like there's nothing I could have done differently. Maybe like it was all part of my story. You know, it's all part of the things that would shape me and all that. Yeah. Okay. So so you, you eventually signed to, to Tiny Entertainment. Did they give you like a big fat advance? Did they give you like a, a car, a private jet? Like what, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> they gave me an apartment. 
Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Okay. It was decent. It was on the mainland. Our studio was on the island. It was like super far. Yeah, it was like decent, I guess. And it also gave me um 50,000 Naira allowance for a year. Okay, so that 50,000 Naira every month for a year? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I get. were you making more than that in your lab job or no? At this point, I had like moved to Lagos. So, and I was being a signed artist who has been announced and that, that, that. I couldn't get a job pretty much. That was what I, yeah. My family was helping out because in Nigeria, I end up spending more than 50000 A lot, a lot more. Yeah. Like, what were some of those challenges? Like that in between, right? It's a very interesting phase where you never blew up. You're known, but you're not out of your known. So you don't have that whiskey money just yet. And you're still expected to like keep up appearances, especially as a female, you know, with like wardrobe and things like that. Yeah. Like, were, were, was it pretty challenging, like during the whole thing? It like, was. How, how was that like for you? Um, apart from financing to get these things done, obviously I had a completely different cultural background. And maybe now with like cities um just like advanced and there's the internet, it's getting more popular. So now you go to Joss and you see the kind of cool kids you see in Lagos in Joss, that kind of thing. But like then there was more of a difference between Joss, Joss had the cool kids. Joss had the cooler kids. <laughs> they had the cool kids, yeah, but we are a different kind of True. Than true, Lagos true. school. So like my my fashion has definitely changed like since I left just because I remember not like I used to dress badly, but like it was different than what was expected of like a pop star. I always liked sneakers. I always used to dress like a tomboy. That was also um rap influence, I guess. And I used to wear t-shirts and like denim and sneakers, you know. <laughs> I wasn't big on well, I don't know. It was different. I don't know what was different about it, but something was different. I had a, or maybe it was like culture shock and me being young and a bit of anxiety being away from home, all of that, being by myself in like Lagos, signing a deal, having to report to a boss, having to like dress to the taste of someone else who, apart from myself. It was just like a lot to adjust to. Right, right. Okay, that, that makes sense. So so you sign to these guys, they, they give you an apartment, they, they give you some allowance for a year. What else can you say they did for you? Like how many videos were shot? Uh, how many projects? I think they dropped like late night vibrations or something. Um, like Videos uh, of my own we shot two videos yeah and then labor had a single which featured all of us that was one video um the ep with yc definitely like the labor put me on like no one can say the labor didn't put me on obviously i would have loved for it to go great i believed in the labor i believed in the artist at some point i even believed in the ceo you know i thought like i was writing for my team i had lyrics about that like i believed in the vision and I believed in us like achieving greatness together. So like the label definitely put me on and if things were meant to be, I guess it could have like become a huge thing because YC is super talented. I believe I'm super talented. Dark Boy is super talented. Damilari was super talented. Like we would have killed it. We could have been like a powerhouse Nigerian record label. 
and everybody was putting in work everybody was down to like do it so so, so what yeah. would you say happened because it's not you it's not like an isolated incident to you like there's also stuff with yc i remember you know you guys were in the news a couple of months ago when tiny posted like 100 million streams across all platforms but yc and yourself and other people haven't haven't been paid royalties and you even said publicly that you have like five plus million i mean more now streams on spotify but you hadn't like received a single check and everything like when did you guys start to notice that oh things started to change like you guys weren't you know kept up to date with reporting there were some shady things going on like how did it happen was it gradual or one day did everything just bust well before i was signed yc had been signed for six years but like i didn't know yc i had never spoken to him maybe maybe he could have said oh these are the things that i'm not okay with in labor or something but like we hadn't met like that or anything so I, my own experience was just that I just thought I got signed to a regular record label. I was doing my studio sessions, my interviews, practicing, trying to improve my brand, doing all that was expected of me. And then I just noticed that the CEO would like have like erratic outbursts, which <laughs> which I felt were like unprofessional. But like when it happened once, about I was what? Just like about the music or just about different? Any, it can be anything. It can be, uh, but maybe he can come in and maybe the receptionist is not at the desk. And then it won't just be in the way where like an official pe person says it. It will be like in a very, very erratic way that you'd be like worried. Like he'll really raise his voice and like be yelling and like how... Did, did he ever get yeah. physical? Did he like throw the phone? Not or... to me, but to um Damil, another artist. Larry, who said it on Twitter and then was he, he doesn't have as big a platform but like he spoke about it and yeah but like nothing happened with that and but he's the kind of person who he doesn't even have to threaten you you would already get that vibe that is possible because he would be like yelling really like violently and before I left I saw that probably definitely over six times in person and on the phone so he would do that a lot voice notes like he would just be talking really really aggressively and it was scary I was sensitive but I'm the kind of person who always stands up for myself even like when I'm scared so even if like he's yelling on the phone and I feel like it doesn't like if I feel like someone is being erratic I'll literally use those words back at the person like this is unprofessional I feel you're being erratic I don't deserve this behavior stuff like that but like he's the kind of person who comes from the angle of you should be grateful to me you came back from just um and then he yeah and then it just got weird you tried to manipulate the artist against each other which was funny and weird like how long can you keep up with that he would just tell one of us that oh this guy is acting up he hasn't done this haven't you noticed this and that about him you are going to become the forefront uh artist of the label stuff like that i don't know it's, it's deep like devil whispers and he'll tell another artist that oh haven't you noticed since these guys came uh you're they're taking attention from you or something i'm just trying to find if he can find any insecurities or any thing to hold on to and he would do that like to each of the artists even like one who hadn't really been announced or launched yet properly he'll tell them look at these guys i've done this that that, that for them they are still on, or just like something and he'll be like oh he's going to be serious with him now he's going to be his next forefront investment and he'll do this when like maybe he has yelled at 
maybe three of us and then he's trying to make the other one one we should be envious of or like the one he's focusing on it was so much mental olympics like it wasn't professional at yeah, all mental olympics like, did, you ever, did you ever confront him or did you, let me not say you like everyone did you guys ever come together to confront him about what you're being owed like you know hey you know what we've put out x number of project this is the streams like can we see like i'm not getting what i'm owed and what did he say about that when um he senses that energy is off in any way he won't just be at the office and then you go to the um and he won't you whatsapp him or call him he won't pick up he won't respond you go to the office you ask the receptionist did boss come in today and then they'll be like no next day same thing like you just can't find him really and then he might come on a random friday where like he comes in the morning and maybe you, were, you didn't go that day stuff like that but then i'll send emails which he can always respond to at his time we'll, we'll just not get responses yeah wow so he pretty much uh, ghosted his own artist. So did you, exactly. when, when you guys left, did you leave or officially? Or it was just kind of like, look, this is not going anywhere. Like, did you have to like get lawyers? Like, I guess yours yeah. was kind of like a short contract, but did you have to get lawyers and stuff like that? So like, yep. get out of it? Yeah, I got lawyers. My uncle is a lawyer. He has some lawyer friends in Lagos. And then they basically like took up the case and they're like, they're going to get me out of the deal. Because at this point, the label said, I owe them seven million naira. Um, my one of my only emails they responded to, um, which was us saying basically we've not gotten any account statements, da da da. da. And I think this is one of the first times where my lawyer emailed on my behalf because like I wasn't getting any response. And then we just made some document and they're like, her rent was this. We spent this on that video. We spent that, da, da, da. and then it was seven million naira, which to be honest is not like ridiculously much. It's something that can be figured out. Well, in terms of music money, like it's easy to spend seven million era so but they're like we've still not seen how much she's made i just put out that he twice he was doing amazing and at this point there's like major conflict in the label so to be honest i'm not sure that he plugged it i think he just did what he did why he had eyes on him from juice and all his successes yeah, so, and the label, there's that label reputation for sure. Like, if you're, like, signed, there's a way music is approached differently, I I feel, in the industry. Yeah, and so I think that helps that EP really fly. Because at that point, he was basically, like, not speaking to us or anything. Wow, and, then it was... and this was at the height of Juice, right? Because I remember, like, YC used to come around to Maryland. I used to live in D.C. at the time, and I think YC would be around once or twice to some friends. Place. And Juice was out, and Juice was, like, the biggest shit <laughs> out there. So when I'll see some of these tweets and some of these, I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, you would think that a label would want to protect, like, their investment and, and make you guys feel as comfortable as possible if you were to like advise like younger artists who are like obviously there's more information out there now but people can still fall into these mistakes right we have artists coming to lagos every day trying to pursue a dream artists who want to be the next big thing and you know label is promising them xyz what are like one or two of, of course we have like the hard things like hey you know read your contract get a lawyer blah 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 but are there any other things maybe that are not so obvious that you would advise like a younger artist to pay attention to um i feel like in business knowledge you never really focus on human relations that much is a very um important part of business but like it's not always people don't really consider it and i feel you should do a bit of research to how that business has handled human relations 
like try to find people they've worked with, try to know how it went. People have different business ethics. Some people are very ruthless, even if they are still legal. And some people are like illegal and ruthless and like evil people. <laughs> so I think that really matters. Because even if you're trying to do business, if somebody is like inherently an evil person, they would conduct business that way. So even if they have like funding, even if they have whatever they have, you can't really thrive in a case like that. Conflict is bound to arise. You are going to be depressed or mentally like not in the best place. And then you can't be making, you can't thrive in such an environment. So it's very, very, very important to know the kind of person you're getting into business. That makes sense. Referrals, right? Like, you know, what other people have they interacted with, whether it's like the gate man or someone, like how they treat little people will ultimately reflect on how they, they treat other people. But Nigeria is a very interesting place because it's kind of like a catch-22. There's not a lot of money going around. So sometimes some people just like, this guy not demon, but I beg, let me just, the devil, right. will, yeah. like, let me take what I can get. And at the end of the day, Nigeria will go. Because go, go even out. after all, all yeah. our stories got out and everything. We still saw the label announcing right. this, and like it was unbelievable. It's right. just like unbelievable. It's, Ni it's Nigeria. They're like, oh, but we go figure out. When we reach there, we go fight. Nothing they happen. I'll change my name from Kiss Daniel <laughs> to Kiss Daniel. <laughs> no, or something. But but anyway, I'm I'm glad you passed all that, and now you know you're doing things independently, like on your own, still pushing through. Uh, you dropped a project recently, a pop star, like which is what you are. You know, obviously. Like, like with your new video, Balahon. So like, whenever you, like, I know you're not going to give me a straight answer. Like whenever you ask artists, who is this song about? They're like, you know, it's not one person. It's a collection of guys like in the past. But when you're but using... But that is true, you know? No, wait, no, 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 wait. Let me finish. Okay. Like when you're using <laughs> lyrics like, oh, you know, you, you love just, the, you're sampling like Burner Boy and Big Thrill on, on, on the record. You're saying, oh, you, you only like to love me like a gangster. You, you, you like party, you know, a girl is happiest when she like it feels really specific to us the fans to us the listeners so i'm gonna ask you this one time like who inspired that song was it one person or was it a collection of experiences with you and friends around you to be honest i don't i wouldn't say it's one person but i can say it's one person's emotions like my emotions so it just ties all of those like experiences together i Good feel answer. like you, you have been media trained you have me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel like for music to sound relatable, it has to come from something real, even if it's not your, like, it has to, there has to be some real elements in some way, even if someone else writes it, maybe their own, like, I don't know, there has to be that realness in it. And as, on a more personal note, as a female artist, sometimes I feel like I come across as like a, um, uh, I don't know, phenomenon where people just want to like explore and they are curious or something like that. So the song mm -hmm. was, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people just like could see a female artist as something to take off their bucket list or like when they see somebody who probably seems attractive to them or seems interesting to them or kind of like a trophy to them, I guess it's just, yeah. So that, that, that was what that song was huh? about. It is, but then um, I find a lot of joy in my work, like being a musician. And every time I achieve something new in music, like I'm real life happy, not like fake, real life happy. So I feel like it is a price to pay, you know, life imitates art, art imitates life. 
maybe I wouldn't have all that inspiration. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, I can relate to that a little bit because I'm not an artist, but, you know, just doing the podcast, like, I definitely, like, can empathize with, you know, some of that. But let me ask you this, like, you, you write all these love songs, right, like, that connect with people, and obviously these are emotions you feel. So how does Bella like to be loved? Like, if you were to bold your ideal man, like, out there now, how would you, what are the things, like, that you like that you how would you like to be treated like in a romantic relationship to be honest i feel like like everyone else if you just communicate and you're honest you would know what and you're normal like things would just flow but then now i'm at a point where honestly like you get just like normal. that's too much to ask in 2021 man we <laughs> like, are normal like, out here normal. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> Exactly. So um, I just feel like I believe in destiny. I actually believe in destiny. I believe in the one. I believe in one true love. I really do. And I feel like if it doesn't work out, then it wasn't meant to work out. And even though there are very weird people out there, maybe it just wasn't. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I haven't hacked it. Maybe one day when I hack it, I'll be like, oh, this, that, that. You know how Sierra is like, she'll share her husband prayer and all that. <laughs> So maybe, maybe she probably make day. that into a book. It'll be a bestseller. She says, "Move, move in this, walk in the spirit of wife, not in the spirit of girlfriend." That, I can, I can. That that's actually good <laughs> advice. Like, I haven't seen the prayer. Wait, yeah. was that in the prayer? I, I think in the same interview. Oh yeah, I, I haven't really like <laughs> gone into the weeds of that, but that's actually good advice because yeah. you know sometimes it's, it's how you carry yourself. Uh, like Charlemagne always say, like we don't get what we deserve, we get what we negotiate, right? So it's all a negotiation. Maybe that's true, but there's the also the kind of love that is meant to be where some people are literally at their worst. And the person who loves them is like there because I feel yeah. that's the essence of love. It's not of about. Love. No, yeah. obviously we're obviously we're not talking about you know one-off incidents. We're just talking about the entirety of the relationship and you know the 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 you know the general sense of things. You know, you you strike me as someone who isn't like afraid to be vulnerable, whether that's in your music or in interviews at like this. You yeah, know, you're very forthcoming <laughs> with like yeah. information, and I, I don't know yeah. maybe that's the creative side of you or that's just you personally. Like you even name your albums like Bella, Bella 2.0, Rebella. It's like you want us to know. Use your real name as your artist name is like you want us to know and you want us to come into your world like in a sense so is that is that something like obviously it's deliberate because that's what you're putting out but are you afraid in a way that oh that there has to be a limit to a certain side of me that I can't give the outside world access to because it will affect me whether my you know my mental health or you know things like that is there a, a side of you that you're extremely protective of it's so great you're asking that because like exactly how you worded all of this is like things I think about and things I wonder about and things I ask myself about because there's that inner part of you that's like observing you and trying to make sense of like all of your experiences so very 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 valid questions and I don't know I feel like you know has that line that says you cannot be more than what you are I feel like I'm the kind of person who I don't want to mentally suffer. Like, I just want to be free. And I don't want to have, like, baggage. I don't want to be weighed down or, like, hide who I am. Or I feel like it's a greater price to pay to, like, hide who you are or be overprotective of what you're, what you're afraid of people to see than to just show yourself. Also, um, one of my personal philosophies one time, you know when you feel like discovered something and then you're like interested in that concept is the Catholic guilt 
syndrome. <laughs> so I read somewhere that like Catholics tend to be like super guilty. And we have the um, culture of like going to confession and like confessing our sins. It's not just like hiding something or moving past it or stuff like that. So maybe like inside me somewhere, maybe I feel like I need to just always let things out and show what things are. And I have definitely um, witnessed like the cons of that because it's like I'm so vulnerable sometimes it seems like I'm getting more raunchy the older I get it seems like I'm just like was like like what are you trying to do why are you being so raunchy why this that that that, that. Well, we can't be the same right we have to grow that's growth yeah right? yeah and that's like real life is real life even if where, where are those comments coming from from family from fans from loved ones both both mm. and like also sometimes people don't need to say something just their reaction and stuff like that and that's like the painful part of it it's actually it's not like i'm immune to it but like i can't help but be myself like everything else would be fake even um lately if you follow me you probably notice i'm trying to be more religious now and it's not fake like it's real but i believe in journeys i believe in destiny i believe like like Paul in the Bible was once Saul, you know? And then the Bible talks about planting seeds and um, some reaping harvests of 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 90-fold, where it, like, stresses on the fact that that harvest has to come. Like, the seed doesn't get planted today and then, like, it is already a tree. Like, there's always a journey. And I believe this is my journey. When I'm older, I'll have, like, experiences and I'll be like, at this point, this is what I was thinking. Because there's a way we might think of ourselves as, like, eternally smart and eternally knowing and all that. But, like, me now is not who I was when I signed that deal. Do you get I'm stronger now. I There are certain situations I would have gotten out of. I would have probably spoken up for myself sooner. I might have left the label sooner. I would even be more, like, suspect of the label to even sign in the first place like who i currently am so it's basically just me learning like people are just like literally watching me evolve oh that's 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 very interesting like so what's next for you and obviously like pop star is is out right now so you're going to be pushing that but uh, when we think macro say in the next five to ten years like um where do you see yourself and you know might not necessarily be just your career but just in in life in general like um what do you what do you hope to see uh for bella lubo uh in life and say, um, from now because like i said earlier i've always had a normal family so in my brain there's always just been that image of like having a cute little family husband children having a niece and a nephew i think they're perfect i like a family of my own someday so that's like definitely up there in things that i want but like i'm also very ambitious i like the concept of just like not needing anything and just having the things that you want so um i'd like to be a billionaire and um i call myself bentley billionaire now i'm just like reminding Billy myself bella you just got a new nickname <laughs> <laughs> billy bella i'm gonna remind you when it eventually happens and it's possible yeah. like, it's very possible in today's it world it's so possible very achievable it's, like we everything yeah. we have access to like it really is achievable and like that is what i'm trying to do i just want to have that life where because you know money is just like it means to an end right right living right, right. is what is about gives you freedom so, right yeah it just gives you freedom to 
just like live your life and i would like to do that i would like my kids to be able to do that and i have um an app i'm trying to get developed i can't say exactly what it is about but it like cares about the environment and is linked to fashion in some way i'm working on that independently yeah and i'm working on my music i have my first album coming out um is I've never called any of my projects an album before this one. The the first long one that was like 11 songs, I think I just called it a project. Like I just kept saying, oh, my project, my project. <laughs> I wasn't ready like, to call it an album, but now I think like I'm ready and like I've explored. Now I feel, I feel like a lot of things have just like begun to make sense. Even me connecting to like my listening experiences from when I was younger. Cause something I'll tell you is um, reggae. Like I've never felt like the kind of person who likes reggae. Like I just thought of reggae as like some old music. I remember our driver from when I was like in secondary school, junior secondary, when he comes to pick us sometimes, he'll be playing reggae in the car. And I just remember it like being hot and like reggae playing and I'll just like be bothered. <laughs> but like, but lately I've found myself, like I just unlocked some sort, sort of reggae door, which I was like very surprised to find, but it makes so much sense. There we go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it makes so much sense. Um, I've connected with Bob Marley's music on a very, very, very deep level now. And my writing is like in top shape. I've really learned about melody. That's one thing I'll say the industry has taught me. Um, because like obviously before I used to rap or like being in all these sessions, meeting all these artists, being like in the industry, seeing people that people compare me to and like nobody wants to be compared to every anyone, right? Everybody wants to be in their lane. But like is even if people like me don't want to hear it. It really is a market and there's really competition. So people who people compare you to and will feel like they can pick over you. Sometimes you just have to stop and think about, okay, what makes this person special? Like why that person and not me? Do you get that's a very human thought, but like in the business aspect, I've had to like face that. And one thing I've noticed lately that people are looking out for is melody. And I feel that is a good to competition because I also attribute that to to also helping me like mad up my skills and the thing about skills is that it's almost like you have them but you don't realize that you have them right you just you like break them and unlock them yeah so that's I feel like yeah, I, I guess that explains why you put in all those pigeon uh, bridges and stuff in your songs. Like, okay, before I transit to the chorus, let me slot in one very catchy stuff that people can repeat and all that stuff. But man, like, I think I should introduce you to LD. Like, you, you like, I interviewed him a, a few months ago. Like, and everything, most of the things you're saying, like regarding his career, you know, he also we talked like after the interview, and he was like 19 at the time in Unilag in the late 90s, and he's like reechoing a lot of the things you're saying. But I definitely, I, I, I definitely am confident that you're going to achieve all that. Like whatever it is you want with your career, with your personal life. Like you're like, if there are people I can bank on, like in the current Nigerian music space, like I'll bank on Bella, I'll bank on Buju, I'll bank on Bella Shmoda, I'll bank on like these artists that, that I can tell. Like I'm getting that feeling that when I heard, uh, you know, uh, uh, Burner Boy for the first time, or when I heard like Whiskey for the first time, I'm, I'm not even talking about their popular singles. Like I'm getting the same feeling like for you guys as I got with those guys. So I have no no doubt in my mind that you guys are gonna be up there. Just remember us, I beg, when you reach there, Biko. 
when we asked for another interview, me and Nubi like say, I beg, you know. <laughs> You're definitely welcome back to the podcast anytime, whether that's to talk about your app when it's out or, you know, your next project or whatever it is you want to talk about. How do people reach out to you, Bella? Like if people want to find out more about you, obviously we're going to have your, your, your music links in the description, but if people want to follow you on social media, uh, if you want to give out your, your pages, your, your address, your phone number, social security, whatever you want to throw out there. And everywhere, every platform is Bella Alubo. That's B-E-L-L-A-A-L-U-B-O. No spaces or anything, just Bella Alubo. Join together. And if it's for business, there's an email in my profiles too for management. And that's the best way for me to get things done. If it comes to work, not just like personal DM or Most definitely, as it should be, as it should be. Well, mm-hmm. thank you so much, Bella, for giving us, you know, uh, an insight into, you know, your career and your life. And uh, yeah, it's Culture Class Podcast. You guys can follow us everywhere as well. Check out culturalclasspodcast.com. Until next time, be well. Mm-hmm.